Well, good morning, everybody. I'm Barrett Bowden, lead pastor here at ICC, and I'm so thankful. just want to extend my personal thanks to you for joining us in worship today. I don't know about you, but I woke up this morning and I was thinking, I just want everybody to be able to be together in church this morning. Uh, we have hit that time, and uh, we are really missing one another physically. And uh, I am so thankful, though, that even though um, we're doing our best to protect our communities by being at home, that we have this opportunity to worship together like this. And I just want to say thank you from my heart uh, for you making the choice to join us for worship today. I want to pray for us as we continue our time together of worship. Father, thank you. Lord, right now, um, at this very moment, you are with us. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you choose to make home in us and Lord, we know that your presence in our life is a gift of your grace. Lord, we know that because of our own brokenness and sin, Lord, that apart from you, we would have no opportunity to have a relationship with you. But we thank you for your love and for your grace, what you have done for us in your son, Jesus. And Lord, we know your grace is sufficient. You have finished the work in your life, death, the forgiveness of our sins, your burial in the grave in our place, and your resurrection from the dead. Jesus, you are alive and Lord, you have reconciled us to God, and we thank you so much for the hope that we have in you. We pray today that you would encourage us, bring hope into our hearts and lives as we turn to you. Lord, we admit to you, Lord, that we need your spirit to speak to our hearts. Lord, uh, help us not just to hear with our physical ears, but Lord, to hear truly with our hearts. And we thank you for your living spirit and your living word, and we ask today that you would speak, for we are listening, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, church family, this morning, uh, we are going to be continuing our series um, on the unchanging character of God. And it has been my hope, our hope as a church uh, throughout this series, in the midst of all of the pandemic uh, that surrounds us and the unusual nature of the circumstances that we're in day in and day out, that we do have an anchor for our souls. Uh, we have one in God who is unchanging. He is trustworthy. He is faithful. And you can hope in him. And this morning, we're going to be continuing to talk about the character of God, his unchanging character, as we look at his names. There's been a lot of talk lately about health care. And I just want, again, uh, if we have a, a moment here, everybody, can we just say thank you so much to everyone who's an essential worker and healthcare worker in this time? Yes. We can say thank you. Um, we are so, so grateful for all of you who continue to serve uh, our communities, and we are so thankful for you. We're praying for you. We're rooting for you. We know you have sacrificed much of yourself uh, in order to serve our communities in this time, and we are truly grateful. Um, but there is definitely, in this last season, probably more than ever in my life, um, we have been hearing about healthcare like every single day. We've been thinking about it, and all of us are, are just mindful right now of health. Um, you go outside and you notice the social distancing and the mask in the stores and the frequent use of hand sanitizer. We're all mindful of our personal health and we're mindful of our community health, our nation's health, and yes, our world's health. And it's very interesting time. Uh, I've never seen anything like it where we are all talking on a daily basis about health and focusing on it so, so much. And it's interesting, you know, I, I know there's a lot of talk as well about uh, the potential for a vaccine. And um, I know that uh, all of us are really hoping for a vaccine um, because it seems that it, our world, our country, our community may not get back to normal until 
we have that vaccine. Um, I know a few weeks ago there was a company that was really excited uh, to be able to announce that they were starting a trial of a potential vaccine, and then just two days ago, I'm not sure if you heard, but uh, that trial has proven that it's not successful. And here we are again wondering, just all this, this thought about w- when will we be able to get a vaccine, a cure uh, for this, this virus, this disease, this sickness. And um, there's a lot of experts that are talking about it, and we're cheering them on, and we're praying for them. We all need to be praying uh, for this. But it's very interesting right now that all of us seem to be in this posture of hoping, longing for uh, some cure to this disease. And along with that, um, it's just, if you think about it, it really is an admission of our own brokenness uh, in this season. Um, it's an admission that without this cure, um, we're going to be in, in a really bad place. We really are hoping so much for this because we are recognizing right now that we desperately need it. We need it for our own health, for our community's health, for our country and our world's health. It's just a very interesting time. And I think in some ways it's an opportunistic time for us to understand in this season and even in these feelings that I'm just describing, this this hope for a vaccine, it's an opportunity for us to understand more of the Lord. It truly is. Um, It's been very interesting um, that here we are. You know, it it seems to be in the last decades of my life and our country, uh, many of you probably can relate to this, that it seems to be Americans, at least Westerners, have felt like, oh, we're just getting better and better and better, and we seem to be just progressing so much and becoming so invincible almost, and now in this time, we're, we're realizing again that, that we have brokenness, and there's need, and this need for a vaccine that we don't even have yet, this inability to, to bring a cure in and of ourselves at this present moment, um, it's exposing things that I believe are opportunistic for us to know more about our God. And in fact, this morning, if you've got notes, and I hope you do, uh, we're going to be diving into the Word. If you've got your Bible, I'd love for you to get it open to the book of Exodus, chapter 15. Because here we learn a, a name of God that we haven't studied before. Like I said, we're studying the names of God. And today we're going to be studying the name Jehovah Rapha. And I'll talk to you more about that in a second. But we're going to be talking about the brokenness, really, that has been, been around since the fall in the very beginning in the garden. And we're going to be talking about um, more than just a need for a vaccine for healing. We're going to be talking about our need for the healing of God and his power and his provision and his promise of it for those who trust in him. So if you've got something to write with this morning, I want to go ahead and give you our core truth for the day, and it's this. And then we're going to look at Exodus 15 and talk about why we know that this is true from God's word. So our core truth for the day is this. In every area of our brokenness, there is hope for restoration in Jesus. In every area of our brokenness, there is hope for restoration in Jesus. Exodus chapter 15, like I said, and we're going to be starting in verse 22. Exodus chapter 15, starting in verse 22, and I read from the English Standard Version. God's Word says this, Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. 
They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord. And the Lord showed him a log. And he threw it into the water. And the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule. And there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord, your healer. Then they came to Elim, where there were twelve springs of water and seventy palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. This is our passage for the day, and if you noticed, um, I want to go ahead and show you where the name that we're going to be studying today comes from. It comes from this place right here in Exodus chapter 15, if you look at your Bibles, um, verse 26. In verse 26, he says this, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am, now this is where he reveals the name, he says, I am the Lord, your healer. I am the Lord, your healer. Now, if you look at the original language, and I've been taking you back to the original language again and again through this series because um, I believe there's goodness there for us that we can just unpack and really grow to understand and appreciate God even more. I don't know about you, but um, every single day I have an opportunity to grow more in my understanding and appreciation of God and I hope, uh, like Paul, that we have that heart that says, God, I want to know you, and I want to know you more. I want to know you more and more and more. And here, we have an opportunity to know something of God more. Jehovah Rapha is the name that translates in the original. We say the Lord, uh, our healer, I am the Lord, your healer. But uh, in the Hebrew, the original text of the Bible, it's written, I am Jehovah Rapha. So hopefully write this down. We've been talking about Jehovah in past weeks, and Jehovah means this. Um, it's, it's the translation of the word Yahweh, okay? It's the, the name that, that God revealed to Moses, I am who I am. So he's saying, I am the eternal God, and I am self-existing. I have always been, I am today, and forever I will be. I am eternal and I am unchanging, and I'm self-existing, and I have come to have personal relationship with you. This is Jehovah. I am who I am. He was, he is, and he is to come. This is our God. So he begins this name by reminding them of his unchanging nature, his un un eternal and personal nature. But then he combines it, like many of the other names, with another name. And here we have the name Rapha. Okay? Rapha. Can y'all say that with me? Rapha. One more time, Rafa. Um, yeah, so Rafa means this, and again, I hope you're taking notes. Rafa means to restore, means to heal, it means to cure. Okay, so we're we're thinking about um, almost like a doctor 
um, one who comes to heal, one who comes to, to bring a cure. See the connection with our current situation and the opportunity we have to learn more of the hope of God and the, in the person of God. One who comes to bring a cure. And I love this, this understanding of it, um, to restore. One who comes to restore. In fact, another way that we could think of Rafah is this. Restoring something to its original state, okay? So think about um, when um, you are refinishing a piece of furniture, um, or even this week, okay? I um, took some of the extra time. We, we can't do nighttime activities, the normal things that we're doing uh, when we're not in quarantine. And so what I've been doing is catching up on some projects around the house. Anybody with me? Yep. There's some things that we can do around the house. So uh, I have been uh, pressure washing our patio this week. And man, oh man, I don't think this patio has been pressure washed in a long time. We've only lived in our house for a short time, but I don't know when the last time the thing was pressure washed. But it was so much fun because I got that pressure washer out there and I'm not that handy, but at least I can do this. Okay, guys. And uh, it was just so fun because I got to see all this like just just dark, dirty, mildewy patio become like sparkly clean again. And it was like addicting. Um, I could not stop pressure washing. In fact, Michelle was like, your dinner's getting cold. You've got to come inside. This is, this is ridiculous. You could do this again tomorrow. You're, it's not like we're going anywhere. So I was like, yeah, you're right. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is um, we understand what it's like to be able to restore something to its original state. And, and part of our understanding of this word rafah is our understanding that God is a God who can restore things to its original state, the way it was originally intended to be. And, and he can make beautiful again. God is a God who can make beautiful again. That's the idea of Rapha. Now, for instance, um, we know this because uh, in 1 Kings, there's a, there's a passage. Th- this word is used, actually, in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 30. It says, Then Elijah said to all the people, Come near to me. And all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. Now, this word right here, repaired, okay? This is the same word, rephah. So what we see is, in this practical illustration, is here the wall has been broken down, and Elijah is saying, we're, we're going to get busy taking that which has been broken, that which has been destroyed, and, and we're going to, to repair it. We're going to return it to its original state. That is the word rephah. Now, if you go back to the combination of the words, then what you have is Jehovah Rapha. So let's combine them. So we have the eternal, self-existing God, right? The one who was, who is, and who is to come. And he is a God who is a restoring God. He's a God who is a healing God. He's a God who's um, a curing God. He's a God who can, can make beautiful again. He's a God who can repair that which has been broken. Isn't that amazing? Now, interestingly, um, they discover this as they're walking through the wilderness. So in Exodus 15, the context for this passage is that, that they are um, literally uh, on their way. They've, they've been delivered out of Egypt, okay, just to remember the history. They've been delivered out of, out of Egypt, and they've crossed through the Red Sea, and they're moving by faith to the place that God has promised. But as they go through that desert place, God puts them in this place of testing, right? 
they run out of food, and it doesn't take very long before they're going, oh, man, like, we were all excited about the deliverance, but now we are hungry. I can't even remember the last time I had a Pop-Tart. I, can't, I don't even know the last time I, I had, you know, and they're just, they're just mumbling and complaining. And um, it's interesting because, you know, God shows himself to them and eventually uh, he does provide for them food. But we see here in Exodus chapter 15 um, that they get to this new place and, and not only are they hungry, but they're, they're thirsty, right? And you can imagine um, that. You, you've been days in a desert place, and you haven't had the opportunity to drink. And I like what Max Licato says. He describes this. Their, their jubilation in liberation becomes frustration over dehydration, okay? Um, and essentially what's happened is they are uh, just to the place now they're going, oh, man, like we're so thirsty. We're, we need something to drink. And yeah, this is a place where they've been. Maybe you've had done, done a long bike ride or a workout, worked up a big sweat, you forgot your water bottle or gone on a long hike, and you can relate. Um, we need water. And this is the place that they were. Now, what happens is they, they, they get there after three days, okay, with no water. We read in verse 23, that they come to this oasis, this place of Marah. Now imagine after having no drink for three days and they get to this place where they see this big body of water, how excited would you be? I mean, it would be like us traveling across country and getting uh, so thirsty and getting to the Mississippi River and we look at the water and we didn't know anything about the river, right? We look at the water, we go, yeah! It's huge. It's flowing. There's tons of water. And we all rush down to the banks of the Mississippi. And we are so excited because we finally get to quench our thirst with a drink. But then they drink it. And similar to Mississippi River, let me just tell you, that is not water that you ever want to drink. The treatment facility is just upstream. Most of us know this. And if you've ever gotten near the water, it stinks. And it is not drinkable. In fact, it would be very bad if you tried to drink it, okay? And similar to that, here they are at Marah, and they get to the water, and they could not drink it, it says in verse 23, because it was bitter. And in fact, that's why they name it Marah. It reflects a place of bitterness, a place of brokenness. God, what are you doing? You've liberated your people, and their joy has turned into frustration. And, and now you've brought them to this, this place of water where it looked like there was a, an opportunity for refreshment. And this water, is, you can't, they can't even drink it. What is going on? And what's going on is God is leading them. And maybe even right now in our circumstance, God is leading us to see that ultimately they cannot, take, they cannot heal this water themselves. They cannot turn this bitterness to something drinkable themselves. There is bitterness and there is brokenness and it needs restoration. It needs healing. It needs a cure for it to be drinkable. But ultimately, they have to look to God. They have to look to God. And in fact, that's what they do. And what we see there after the people are complaining against Moses and Moses cries to the Lord, and that's exactly what God wants us to do in the place where we recognize our need we, we see our brokenness and we, we recognize our need for repair. We see our bitterness and we need sweetness. We, we see our sickness and we need healing. This is exactly what we need to do. He cried to the Lord. He cried to the Lord. 
And then what does God do? He says, God showed him a log. And Moses threw it into the water, and the water, well, what happened? The water became sweet. Very interesting. That which was bitter becomes sweet. That which is broken is healed. It's the picture here, that picture of Jehovah Rapha. And the people are marveling at the Lord. Who is this that takes that which is, I mean, can you imagine if all of a sudden the Mississippi River, let's just imagine this, if all of a sudden the Mississippi River became like the, the, the greatest water purification ever. I mean, it, it was just the, the clearest water, the most drinkable water on earth. We would all just be like, what? Who is this? And God helps them to know who this is. I am Jehovah Rapha. I want you to learn something about me today. I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the eternal self-existing God who takes that as bitter and makes it sweet. To takes that which is broken and brings restoration. I am the one who brings healing, who brings repair, who restores beauty, who brings the ultimate cure. I am the Lord, and I am forever the Lord as the Lord who is one who restores. And that is what happens when we combine these words. I am the eternal God, God is saying, the eternal God who heals and restores me. That is who God wants us to know he is. He is the eternal God who heals and restores me. And we're going to start our prayer this morning like we've been doing every week. And the first part of the prayer this week is just, God, you are my restorer. God, you are my restorer. I hope you'll write down this prayer as we go. But that's the, that's this, this is, first part of the prayer is the essence of what God wants us to know about him. And I'm wondering today if you appreciate, if you understand and appreciate that God, as you go to him, is a God who at his very essence, essential to his character and his ways, is he is one who restores, he repairs, he heals so we're going to start this morning, God, you are my restorer. We go back to our core truth, and it makes sense, see? In every area of our brokenness, there is hope for restoration in Jesus. Let me tell you why, and it's because Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 14. I'm going to use a lot of other references this morning because the Bible is wonderful, and I don't want you to just hear from what I think or my opinions or my own stories. My aim always is to help you know God's Word. Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 14 says this, Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved, for you are my praise. This is the reality of the heart cry that I am praying this morning by God's spirit and grace that you would have. Yes, we are crying out for a vaccine. We are praying. I mean, I really am. I'm praying for a vaccine for the coronavirus. I see our own brokenness in this time and our need and our need for healing. And we're crying out for a vaccine. But I want to tell you that more than just for a vaccine, we need to cry out for our whole heart, our whole life, for our eternity. And we need to learn in this moment, in a deeper way, how we can cry out to the Lord for healing. 
Heal me, O Lord, and I will be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved. For you, God, are my praise. The reality is we cannot heal ourselves. God must heal us. But thankfully, we have a God who is a restorer. So the first part of that prayer, God, you are, you are my restorer. Now, more than just for healing of the coronavirus, like I was saying to you, we need healing in other ways. Um, in fact, Psalm chapter 6 says this, um, and I think it's very indicative. You know, like I said, when we see our, our own need for healing, that's when we begin to cry out for healing. But I am wanting to lead you this morning to see that we have more than just a need for healing of coronavirus. We have a need need for healing in some other areas. And let let me tell you, if we're honest this morning, we can relate to this psalm because the psalmist says, Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul is also greatly troubled, but you, O Lord, how long? There's three areas that are identified honestly by the psalmist. And if you're honest this morning, I believe that you'll identify all three as well. He's crying out to the Lord for healing, and he's, he's crying out in, in three ways. First, you see there is an emotional healing. He says, be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Um, there is a need for emotional healing that he is recognizing. And in you and me, um, there is a need right now in our lives for emotional healing. There are circumstances that we have been through. There are relationships that we have had or maybe still have. There are needs um, that we experience. And if we are honest in our minds and in the emotions of our life, there is brokenness. There is a need, a deep need, for those bitter places, those broken places to be made sweet, for there to be a healing and a restoration in our our emotions, in, in, in our memories, in our relationships, in our in our mind and in our emotions, there is a need. There is a need for healing. Heal me, O Lord, be gracious to me, for I am languishing. My heart hurts. I I believe many of us can relate to that if we're honest. Um, Many of us. I know um, in journey that I have been through um, in counseling, there have been things that have surfaced that I, I, I guess I was aware that they were there, but it's not until really you take time to stop and to, to search your heart and to search your past and to search your relationship history that you really begin to see the depth of brokenness that often is there. And we need to be honest about it because by bringing it to the surface, we have an opportunity for us to experience the healing, the healing touch of God. So emotionally, there's a need. And then he goes on and says, oh, Lord, for my bones are troubled. Physically, there's a need. Physically, there's a need for healing. Now, not all of us, maybe our bones hurt today. Some of us who are watching, I won't name you. We won't talk about your age, but uh, it, it could be to be honest, I'm really not meaning to make light of it. Um, we have families in our church right now who have uh, children that are in treatment at St. Jude just down the street. We also have people in our church who are older who are battling disease, uh, diagnoses that they don't know the end of them, or 
truly just, uh, just the, the effects of old age. Physically, um, we know that things aren't quite right. In Romans chapter 8, we know that all of it uh, is just a, is a sign that something is broken in the world. There is a need for restoration. The world seems to be crying out with like groanings of childbirth for a redemption. And physically, physically, there is a need. There is a need for healing. And even if you just consider the fact that many of us, uh, we, we are very aware that, that there's coming a day that we will die. There's a need. There is a need for, for healing physically. He identifies it. And I wonder if you do. I wonder what that need is for you. And then he also says, my soul also is greatly troubled. So this is a spiritual. So we've got emotional, we've got physical, and we've also got our, our most important need here is the depth of our souls are troubled. He's speaking here to his own relationship with God. And we know from Isaiah chapter 1 that really this is, uh, there's a metaphor here in Isaiah 1 that it talks about what's going on in the depths of our heart being like a disease, being like a, that, that bitter and sick place. The, the, the prophet says, why will you still be struck down? Why will you continue to rebel? The whole head is sick and the whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is no soundness in it, but bruises and sores and raw wounds. They are not pressed out or bound up or softened with oil. And the reality is our whole being uh, cries out. There is a brokenness, a bitterness, a, a, just a need for restoration if we're really honest in our relationship with God primarily in, the, in our soul, that place that we know that things ought to be just well and right with us and God, us and our circumstance, us and our future. There's a need there's a need for healing. And this is the very place and in the place of our honesty that we begin to experience the opportunity to know more of the Lord. If the people of God had not come out of Egypt and, and had to face that bitter water, they would have never known the opportunity to see how he takes bitterness and makes it sweet. And if we never are honest about the places of our brokenness, we'll never have an opportunity to see how God takes those broken places of our minds and of our hearts, of our relationships, of our bodies, of our souls, and makes and, and brings healing and repair and restoration, takes the bitterness and makes it sweet. We've got to be honest to see the opportunity. But God wants us to know that he is a God who can heal. And in fact, I want to go through the scriptures this morning together because... Um, there truly is an opportunity for us to see that we cannot heal ourselves. We cannot heal ourselves. God must heal us. Over and over and over in the scriptures, God makes this promise of healing for those who trust him. He says in Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 17, For I will restore health to you, and your wounds I will heal, declares the Lord, because they have called you an outcast. It is Zion for whom no one cares. Another place in the scripture says this in Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 22. Return, O faithless sons, and I will heal your faithfulness. Again, the promise of God's healing. I will heal your faithfulness. Behold, we've come to you, for you are the Lord our God. In Isaiah chapter 30, verse 26. Moreover, the light of the moon will be as the light of the sun, and the light of the sun will be sevenfold as the light of seven days. And the day when the Lord binds up the brokenness of his people. 
and he heals the wounds by his blow. I want to know, do you believe this? Are you willing to return to God because you believe that God is a God who can bind up your brokenness, that he can heal your woundedness? In Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 and 2, we know that God says about a future day, the Spirit of the Lord is, of God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to bind up the brokenhearted. Sometimes in our brokenness of mind, our brokenness of heart, our brokenness of body, our brokenness of soul, we wonder, is there anyone who can bind us up who can make us new. And God says, there's coming a day, there's coming a day that I will bind up the brokenhearted. You will know me as your healer. We go on in the scriptures and we read, even from the psalm that Sharice read earlier today in Psalm 103, verse 3, a psalm of praise, a blessing to God for who he is and for what he's done. We read that God forgives iniquity. And what else does it say? He heals all of your diseases. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget none of his benefits, the psalmist say. When you go to pray to God, don't you forget that your God is a God who can forgive all of your sin. And yes, he can heal all of your disease. In another place in the Psalms, we read in Psalm 147, verse 3, he heals the brokenhearted, and he binds up their wounds. I got to tell you this morning, if you go back to the first part of that prayer, I am proclaiming to you and reminding you today, maybe for the first time you're hearing this today, you're thinking about your own need, but I'm proclaiming to you today, we have a God who is a healing God. He is at his essence, in his essence, and the way that he works, a healing and restoring God. And I'm so thankful because we cannot heal ourselves. God must heal us. There was nothing that the people could do to take that water and to make it drinkable. And I'm telling you, on our own, there is nothing that we can do to bring the healing and restoration that we need of mind, of emotion, of body, of soul. God must heal us, but I'm proclaiming to you today the good news of the gospel is that God has come to us by his love and by his grace and said, I want you to know that I am a God who can heal you, and I will if you put your trust in me. We see this no greater example of this than in Jesus, our Savior. Jesus is God in flesh, and he came, he came as healer. If you remember the, the passage from Isaiah Chapter 61, when God spoke of a day that he would bring his spirit and put it upon one, he's speaking of the, the Messiah, the one who would bring ultimate and final, full and final healing for all those who trust him. And he said, the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, that, that passage that we just read. I want to draw your attention to the fact that when Jesus arrived on the scene in Luke chapter 4, he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went into the place of the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And he stood up to read 
Now, interestingly, what did he stand up to read? The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and he found the place where it is written, that very verse that we just read, Isaiah 61. This is Jesus as he's arriving, beginning his ministry. He begins to read and he reads that very verse that we just read. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then something fascinating. What does Jesus say right after that? He rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and he sits down and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue are just staring at him. And he began to say to them, today, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, Jesus comes onto the scene And he helps us to connect why he came. And friends, it is so important that you you know why Jesus came. Jesus came to bring an opportunity for you and for me to be healed. To be healed of our diseases. Jesus came saying, the day that you have been hoping for is here. Healing is possible in the place of your marah, in the place of your bitterness, I have come to make it sweet. I have come to repair, to restore, to make beautiful again. I am here, and I am he, your Savior, your healer, your Messiah. Oh, thank you, God, for sending restoration for us. This is why we read uh, in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4, it's another prophecy of the coming of Jesus. One of the things that it says about Jesus was that surely he has borne our griefs and he has carried our sorrows. The prophet said that this would be true of one who is coming. And what do we find in the gospel accounts? If you look at Matthew chapter 8, one of the times that Jesus is out ministering among the people. It says, when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever, and he touched her hand. He just reached out and touched her. And what happens? The fever left her. She was healed. And she rose, and she began to serve with him. Now, connect the dots, though. Verse 16 of this passage, right after that, says, that evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits of the word, and he healed all who were sick. Now, why? This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses, and he bore our diseases. What Jesus is wanting us to see is that it's not just some, oh, I sure hope that that promise is true. No, it is true. It is true. Look at Jesus. Look at how he reaches out and touches people. People who had fever and they were healed. People who were possessed by demons and they were set free. People who were in emotional and mental and physical bondage. People who longed for redemption and repair. And he reaches out and touches and he heals. And all of it is to help us to know that this promise is true. God is truly a healer. He can do it and he will do it in time for all who trust in him. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23 also records for us that Jesus went throughout all of Galilee, teaching in synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. 
and I'm so thankful. I mean, we can get a sense of this. Oh, God, we need healing right now in our land. We need it. And God is proclaiming, I'm a God. I'm a God who is a healer. And ultimately, we know that because of his healing in Jesus Christ. I I, I could go through all of the list of things. I mean, there's so many places where Jesus heals and he touches and he raises people from the dead and over and over and over, all of it is pointing, pointing us to God as the one who can and will restore in the areas of brokenness of those who trust in him. Our God is a healer. That's why in Mark chapter 2 verse 17, when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus is comparing himself to a physician, a healthcare worker. But what he's doing is saying, I have come to bring the greatest, the ultimate healing. I am your God who has come to heal in every area of your sickness and your brokenness. And ultimately, friends, we have to know this was accomplished in Jesus and what he came to do in his living for our righteousness to show us who God is and to provide for us the righteousness we so desperately need, but also in bearing our sin, our brokenness, and our disease. Did anybody find it interesting? If you go back to Exodus chapter 15, all right, let's look at the Bible real quick. Does anybody else find it interesting uh, that in verse 24, the people grumble against Moses. What shall we drink? And Moses cries out to the Lord. And what does the Lord do? The Lord showed him a log. <laughs> now, this is kind of, I don't know about you, it's just kind of interesting. It's like, okay, so he could have just spoken. We know this. He could have just spoken, and that water turned sweet. Um, he could have put salt in it. Um, like later, we know some of the other prophets were told to do that when the water was not drinkable. I mean, why is is why is it's like we're at the Mississippi River and God's going, okay, there's a stick over there. Okay, there's a specific log. Okay, do you see it? There's a specific log. And I want you to go take that log and I want you to, to put it into that, that bitterness. I want you to take that specific tree and I want you to apply it to that place of bitterness and brokenness. And then watch what happens when that specific tree is applied as a remedy. There comes healing. Isn't that interesting? From the log, what does it say? He threw it into the water and the water became sweet. Now what in the world is going on there? I'll tell you what I believe is going on there. It is a foreshadowing to the ultimate work of Jesus for our healing on a specific tree. The tree that is the cross, the tree that had been formed into the cross where Jesus gave his life for you and me on Calvary. And we read in 1 Peter 2, I believe there's no coincidence here. There's no coincidence of the connection of the tree. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. That place of brokenness and bitterness and that place of, of cursing, sign of the curse of God. He bore our brokenness and bitterness in his body on a tree. Why? So that when that tree 
is applied as a remedy to the place of our brokenness and our bitterness and our need for restoration. When that tree, when we trust in that tree and we really believe God when he says, I am showing you a tree that can be applied to brokenness for healing. And friends, I want to tell you that when we really believe God that what he did in Jesus is truly sufficient for, for healing, for restoration, so that by, we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds, this is God's promise, by his wounds we have been healed. For by his wounds we have been filled, healed. Ultimately, friends, it all points us to Jesus and what he did for us in his life and his death and in his resurrection, he, he is the guarantee of our healing. This is why Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5 says, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Praise God that he is a healer. The second part of our prayer this morning is this. And I hope you'll have opportunity to write it down. Thank you, God, for your power your provision, and your promise of restoration for me in Jesus. Thank you, God, for your power, provision, and promise of restoration for me in Jesus. Thank you, God, that we know that he is a God who is powerful and gracious to provide healing for all who trust in him. He can do it. He can do it. So, in the place where we cannot heal ourselves, we know that God can heal us. God can heal us. Now, interestingly, um, as we move on, um, I want to kind of move toward a closing, but I want to wrap something up real quick uh, as before we do that, okay? Because some of you are wondering probably right now, um, does this, is this mean that we're like, the minute we trust God, we get like instantaneous healing? Um, some of us who are sick right now and we've seen people suffering in our lives or we, we have things that we, we feel like we have cried out for healing for and we're just not seeing it quite yet. Um, there is brokenness in this world and there is brokenness in our minds and in our hearts, in our bodies and in our souls. And yes, we know and believe that God is sovereign and he can reach out just as some of the passages we read and in, a, in an instant he, he can touch and heal. We do believe that. But we also know from the counsel of Scripture that we cannot guarantee that every time we pray for healing that it's instantaneous. We know that while we trust God's heart, we don't always understand his ways. And we cannot, we do not believe, nor do we profess that, that God just heals instantly every time that we ask for healing in any area. But what we do know and what we do believe and what we do profess is that he calls us to go to him for healing, okay, to pray to him for healing, but ultimately to trust that even though in this life we have many troubles to take heart because he has overcome the world, to trust that there is coming a day, there is coming a day with the return of Jesus that he will, friends, he will make all things new. And one of the beautiful things about the Christian message is that we believe in the resurrection from the dead. We believe in it because Jesus himself was resurrected from the dead. And we believe that he said 
because he is resurrected from the dead, that we will be too. And there is coming a day that he will make all things new. And in fact, in Revelation chapter 22, verses 1 and 2, we read about that day. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city and also on either side the river. And listen, there is the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree, look at this, were for the healing of the nations. A place of healing in heaven. We read on, no longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it and his servants will worship him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. See, the, the, the Christian hope is a one, one that in a final sense, we, we believe that we will see the full and final restoration of God. Not, not just as a consolation, as Tim Keller says, for the things that we have lost, but for a restoration of everything that we have ever hoped for. This is the promise. This is the promise of God. And this is not only hope for tomorrow, but this is hope for today. That God will bring a full and final healing to all who trust in him. So as we make our way to the last part of that prayer, we can add, I believe your promise. I believe your promise, God, to bring full restoration to me, making all things new. My hope is in you. I believe your promise to bring full restoration to me, making all things new. My hope, my hope is in you. What a grace that we have a God who is a healer. Now, as we close this morning, I just want to ask you, you know, I've been proclaiming who God is, but what I don't know is, are you trusting him? I told you that in this season, we have an opportunity as we hope for a vaccine for the coronavirus to recognize um, not just our need for vaccine for this virus, but really our need for, for a healing, a cure for our mind, our heart, our body, our, our soul in an eternal sense. And I've been proclaiming to you that we have a God who is a healer. But I also want to tell you that you need to trust him. He came for you, Jesus did. He came to live and to die and to rise for you so that you could have the promise of his healing. But you need to trust him. In the, the Gospels, we know in John chapter 5, verse 40, that there were many who refused to come that they could have life. We know in James that many do not have because they do not ask. We know that this healing promise is reserved for those who are willing to come to him. And friends, I, I know myself, and I, I think I know you. Um, we are prideful people. And many times we, 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 we just put walls up around those areas of brokenness because we are, we're just fearful. We're fearful of what would happen if we really go there. 
if we really go there and have to admit um, all the places that we have such deep and desperate need and, and going there almost feels so vulnerable and it just makes you wonder, well, if I, if I pour out all the places of brokenness out onto the floor, will I ever be able, who will ever pick it up again? Um, and it's everything from like maybe there's just deep woundedness, deep woundedness in your life from something in your past, deep woundedness in your life from a circumstance that just absolutely devastated you. Deep woundedness in your life from just habits that you feel like are just so impossible to break. Deep woundedness in your life uh, from choices that you have made that you regret but you don't know how to make right. Uh, Deep woundedness in your life, definitely in your relationship with God. There is deep brokenness and need for restoration in our lives. There is, and we gotta be honest about it. But I'm telling you today, if you're honest about it, if you are, and you go to God, he can heal you. He can, and he will. He has promised it, and he's guaranteed it. Just look at his son. Just look at Jesus. He is a healer. And one day, whether we die to go to be with him or he comes again first, we will hear his voice. Behold, I'm making all things new if we trust him. So I'm just asking the question this morning. In your place of brokenness and in your bitterness, will you apply his remedy? Will you trust his promise of restoration? This is for you right now in the place of your Marah. You have to make that choice to take that tree, the tree of the cross, and apply it to your need. Will you do it? Will you trust him? I'm going to go ahead and finish the prayer this morning with an assumption that you will to try to help you with putting words in your mouth. In every place of my brokenness and bitterness, help me, God, to turn to you and to trust you. In every place, God, of my brokenness and bitterness, help me, God, to turn to you and to trust you. Amen. We said our core truth for the day. Our core truth for the day is this. In every area of brokenness, there is hope for restoration in Jesus. And I pray today that that prayer will be yours, that you will cry out to the Lord, heal me, Lord, knowing that when you cry out to him, he, you will be healed.